Hey, this is Alex Kola, and you are listening to another episode of the Go-To-Market Mastery Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about selling on physical events with our guest, Corbian Kugelhör. If you can't learn how to close, you better start thinking about another career. And I am deadly serious about that. Hey, Corby. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really, really fine. Um, already had like a very, very cool pre-podcast um, chat check-in um, where we talked about really, really interesting things. Um, but today we have as well a really, really interesting topic with selling on events where in my opinion, there's not enough content. And I remember um, a few years ago when I was on my first event kind of selling something, I struggled a bit making conversations, um, but we will touch on that later and we will start as always um, with an introduction round about you um, and what you have done so far. And really, really interesting. You come from consulting. Um, mm -hmm. Totally interested in hearing more about you and what you do at Insight. Sure. Thanks for the introduction, Alex. Um, yeah, for me, myself, what, I'm, what am I doing? Um, at, basically, we... Uh, position C-levels and uh, founders on LinkedIn. And we um, built a LinkedIn profile, a personal LinkedIn profile as a landing page for sales or recruiting for companies, mostly between 30 to 500 people. And um, yeah, scale scale trust at the end of the day uh, through a personal brand on LinkedIn. So that's what I do now. I'm team lead business development, have a small team, three to four people, um, where our core business is generating pipeline, qualified pipeline and closing deals at the end of the day. And for sure, events are a major, a major source for, for our revenue and um, happy to give some insights uh, what we do um, in events and stuff like that. Should I also yeah. talk a bit about my previous past, like uh, consulting and stuff? Yeah, that would be my, my next question. I already know some people on your team and you do great things over there and I think have great people at Insight. Um, so definitely, uh, if you listen and are interested in personal mm -hmm. branding, um, check them out, definitely. But yeah, I would like to hear more about your journey. You come from consulting. That's always interesting. Um, so yeah, um, interesting. interested in hearing more about that. Sure. So um, my background is based on, on classic uh, university um, studying like uh, economics in, in English back in the day. And um, first internship was basically in, in consulting or in auditing, where was it uh, Ernst & Young? I think everybody knows them, yellow sign, big four company, well known. And um, that was the first touch point. And my goal as a student was always to get as much practical insights as I could have, that I have like uh, all the different possibilities there are. Um, and that's why I have some crazy steps, I would say, in my, in my CV uh, from product management in a DAX40 company, Forma. Now uh, it's bankrupt with Wirecard, um, was, in, uh, was in finance consulting um, at Horvath and Partners and did some huge automotive projects and also going for PE and um, looking for 
Um, how was it called again? Uh, commercial due diligences, where you look at the strategy of companies you want to sell and uh, give investors some insights about how we as consultants see that. And that was actually my starting point because all this consulting career steps um, yeah, came basically from, from Moritz, uh, the CEO from Insight uh, today, because he has a personal brand in the consulting space, has a YouTube channel, and I was all, always a, a consumer of this channel. And as I heard he is founding a new company, Insight Consulting, I approached him and said, okay, yeah, sounds super interesting. Let's have a chat. And um, yeah, back from them, it uh, was going really, really fast. I joined Insight Consulting like three years ago, first as consultant, as project manager, did some projects by myself. And then, yeah, we didn't have a sales team. The topic came up and I was saying, okay, or he did some projects. Um, for me, the learning curve for the project team was not too steep, in my opinion. Um, that's why I said, okay, let's, let's try sales. Because in my opinion, sales is always important in, uh, in, the, in obviously in sales as well. But basically every, every conversation you have is basically sales. And when you're a founder, you're doing sales all the time to investors, for example, and in my opinion, sales is something which has a, a kind of negative image, but I, I don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, I always love to talk and work with persons. That's why I started in consulting. But for me, r right now, I see sales also as kind of consulting. So when people are not uh, relevant or what, what means relevant, when it's not, I would say, visible that the project I sell, I'm selling right now is not uh, going to have value in the future, I disqualify them. And that's, that's for me uh, or our approach at Insight Consulting, the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, I view it the same way, way, like it's a trusted advisor, a consultant that helps yeah. you um, go deeper, give you insights about the topic. Otherwise, you don't have a chance in um, yeah, selling in, in these days, but really cool. Yeah, you're at a personal branding company and a personal brand got you the job. Yeah, that's a beautiful story, yeah. I think, especially proof, proof that you're proof of concept. Um, but you were at Wirecard, that's interesting. Um, one year before it collapsed famously or infamously. And um, did you like smell anything fishy there <laughs> at your time already? Yeah. Um, Good question. I, I get uh, those questions a lot, um, especially now where there are hundreds of uh, series and podcasts about it. Um, basically, the time when I was there, um, we started the product management department uh, in, I think it was 2019. So before 2019, there was no product management. That is maybe from the perspective you have now a red flag. But uh, back then, to my perspective, I was there for six months as an intern. I didn't smell any anything fishy, let's call it like that. Um, but when I was there, there was actually the first really big article from Dan McCrum, uh, the, 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 the guy from the Financial Times. And I, yeah, it was really weird because on, on site were journalists and asking questions and stuff like that. So the, the, I would say, um, yeah, the environment was really 
unsecure, not safe, but uh, the, the I would say most of the people were convinced that it's only like this uh, basic stuff where the media uh, pointed out that it's uh, short sellers who want to make profit. That was our major opinion in the company. But um, yeah, that was the main point when it comes to, to Wirecard and my, my short stint there. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool insights. Um, I think you get the question a lot, but it's interesting indeed um, how that got wrong. Yeah, but I would say um, you explained a lot now about yourself. Um, I would say we start into the topic. Yeah, event mm-hmm. Really interesting topic. Um, but first of all, I want to um, start in your opinion. Why, if we live in a digital world, is it still important to sell at physical events? Mm-hmm. For, for the background story, when we started Insights, uh, we did it in Corona. And um, I would say one major success was because every event budget uh, was, not, uh, was not working because events were like basically dead. Um, that's why we at first, our pitch was always events are unnecessary, you don't need them. But, you know, a company evolves. We also using events like uh, OMR and uh, Dimexco. Um, like as, as baseline, as basic events. And in my opinion, it is really, really good for, for testing new pitches and new sales stories you're, you're telling because you got direct market feedback. Um, you talk in this, in this uh, one day at OMR, basically you talk to 200 people when you're doing it good and just approaching people who were who running by and you see instantly which... Uh, messages um, have traction and which not when you approach people for example so i think first that would be a one point where i said okay that's that's really important and second one you know you always have a linkedin network you you post about the event on linkedin and that's a really really good um, way to have like a second third touch point with a former lead with people within the region the funnel so i would say the physical touch point in a digital world is still really important. That's why we uh, have a clear offline event strategy within our marketing and sales mix. We do physical events with um, prospects and clients, and we also go to events like uh, big events, like mar- uh, marketing events like OMR or Dimexco. And do you think people have a higher buying intent in general or an intent to discover something new when they're at events um, compared to when you write them for example an email a really good email uh, not like a shit email but where you outline a problem so if you compare that um, what did you say would be the benefits instead of going to event instead of spending the day at home and just doing outbound sales mm. we we actually ask this question ourselves because an event is, is a huge time investment. Um, normally, you have like five to 10 people there uh, who not only are investing time into the event itself, but for preparation and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's a huge time invest. And we also uh, will raise this question when we look at all the, the deals we closed this year uh, where events were a major touch point. So um, basically, I think when you just look at how many leads you can contact, then it's definitely more, um, I would say, more yeah, successful when you just do cold calls like uh, 
10 people eight hours a day. But when you really go for value touch points where people just, I would say, um, learn more about your topic, then events are really, really good. And I would even differentiate because most events now have masterclasses as well. And that's like a huge possibility to enable like hundreds of people at once uh, for your topic. And uh, uh, obviously, when you do like this masterclasses at uh, Bits and Pretzels, for example, at uh, the Mexico at OMR, you get all the leads, you can uh, add them to your CRM system. And then you, you have like all the data you can you can filter, you can see which accounts were there, maybe there are already some where you have uh, previously contacts. And that's like, for me, it's a huge value touch point you have at an event where they listen for one hour to our two CEOs and know exactly what LinkedIn, what impact LinkedIn can have. And for us, events um, have been very successful, especially uh, when we now look at the events we had in uh, last year in 2022. One month ago, we have closed one of the biggest deals this year. Um, the only touch point he had was this masterclass in the event. And he said now the timing was perfect. And he, he called it one meeting close uh, um, with uh, Thomas, one of our founders, uh, was crazy from the customer journey perspective. And we normally have like ROIs from uh, 10x uh, from OMR and Dimexco last year. Holy shit. That's great. Uh, Definitely. But but I think we need to differentiate between two things. Yeah. Um, since we're a consultant, we need to stay mutually exclusive. That's important. <laughs> Um, one thing is being at an event as an SDR and the other thing is having a masterclass, having kind of yeah. a big marketing stand, um, which of course makes it easier. Yeah. Like you have a marketing org that qualifies leads or you don't have a marketing org. Um, would you say that events just are beneficial if you have like a masterclass or a speaker slot or some, mm -hmm. um, some marketing stuff that you give around or some stand, yeah? Because of course, this also costs more money, yeah? So we need to put it in yeah. consideration in order to what the people will choose um, at their next event and if they maybe invest in a stand in their speaker slot, yeah? It's an investment. So what did you say? Um, what strategy is best and how would you approach each of the things? So one thing would be you have a speaker slot or your founder has, has a speaker slot. The other thing would be you have kind of a stand where you where you are with your company, you give away stuff and people maybe come to you. And the other thing is you have none of all of this. You have just like your ticket for the OMR and you need to mm. approach and sell. Yeah. So I would always, when I have the possibility to have a speaker slot, I would always go for it because uh, what we do when we have the speaker slot, we have a really strong uh, call to action, with, which is basically also for a, um, for example, Thomas at Dimexco said, we have a LinkedIn Bible at our booth. We only have 100. There are 200 people in this room. Be fast. And you can't imagine there was like 150 people at, at, at the stand. And um, then we handed out the, the LinkedIn Bible and um, had like really quality conversations at the booth because the biggest problem on those um, on those events when you have like um, you know when you have the booth and um, nothing else 
is that your booth is basically empty. Then you can obviously um, talk to people who are running around, but when your location at the event is not good, it's maybe in the corner somewhere where there's not a lot of traffic, uh, which I saw at the Mexico, there were basically stands where only the SDRs were and talking to each other. That's nothing uh, what a CEO uh, likes to see when he knows he spends like five to six digits and um, um, no leads getting getting contacted and stuff like that. And that's why when I have the opportunity, I would always go for, for the speaker slots and um, create some urgency, think about what can we offer, then people come to our booth and obviously post on LinkedIn about it when when you need the traffic and that's what we do normally everybody who is uh, on a on a event posts on LinkedIn twice or even three times um and through those posts you already have like a full calendar that uh, people are saying ah oh, nice you're there i will definitely check in then you can always say yeah i'm i'm basically a bit busy how about uh, wednesday wednesday noon um then i'm free then you have like pre meetings even before you are at the event because the biggest problem i see is booth which are basically empty and that's that's always bad for everybody who tries to to go an event and then use it as a valuable touch point that's for me the first and second step you lined out the third one you're just at the event no booth and um, no no speaker slot we already did that in bits and pretzels last year which was not really successful uh, i can tell you that because we were running around the two founders and uh, charlie and myself from the business development team when you do that then you need a really good strategy how to um create leads and stuff like that i have two people who have a really cool strategy one is uh, florian hübner from uh, startup creator normally he does like crazy stuff when he goes um on a on a um yeah on a trade fair but always low budget so what he does is uh, make a uh, make a linkedin post which goes viral basically because he does crazy stuff like running around with a silver suit and stuff like that which is super blinky and everybody uh, you know knows him from linkedin and approaches him and sometimes he has like free stuff to give away um, i remember last year bits and pretzels he had like um yeah free stuff and he said uh, comment uh, your shoe size under the post and <laughs> i have i have flippers and stuff like that to hand out and when you comment you just uh, need to approach him and he gives it out to you so that's a really good strategy when you don't have a booth to create uh, attention and the second example was space dome nico hummel uh, also I, know him, I know him with the space uh, suit yeah yeah sure yeah it was also a, a cool stuff but I would say when you don't invest in a booth and in a speaker slot, you need to be really creative uh, to stand out because even especially when it is a marketing or startup trade fair, people are really creative and uh, you need to step up your game when you want to be successful and go there. And I don't know it, but I, I believe it that those two campaigns, let's call it like that, uh, for, for Flo Hübner and Nico Hummel, uh, we're really, we're really um, successful. Yeah, I think Nico also uh, made a post afterwards, and he told like that it was really successful because like they had a whole team of like spacesuits there, which is yeah. I think 
I love that. Um, I have two examples also on this. I think it's a great idea. Um, it's one, it's David Chevalier from, from Surf. Mm -hmm. And they had basically, um, this, so they're selling, uh, you know what, what Surf does? Ever mm -hmm. heard of them? Yeah, it's yeah. A, like LinkedIn uh, extension tool where you see... Is CRM, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they're partnering with Salesforce. So they brought like um, to a Salesforce event, you know, there are all these like walls where you could make pictures before. And sometimes on these events, there are like tools, like, you know, funny glasses and stuff. Mm. And they just put their surf, um, what's it like, surf um, stuff there. And people used it and made pictures with it on LinkedIn. So nice. um, really creative. And you could also bring like a... Um, yeah, um, surf stuff to to an event, so really cool. And um, another one was the founder of ClickFunnels at Sastock, um, and he had like a crazy suit. I've never seen like a suit like this. It was like had every color you can imagine. Um, and you know, he had a lot of lot of chats, and everyone knew that he was from ClickFunnels. You know, and you mm -hmm. want to talk to him then. So um, I think that's that's like really basic stuff, but it makes it a lot easier to. Um, yeah, to get people talk to you. Um, and I think if you don't have anything, um, just try to like be yeah. charismatic. Don't sell right away. Don't like smell like a salesman. I think then you get those uncomfortable conversations that you really don't want to have. Definitely. Yeah. The thing is, you know, there is not many, not, ma or not many more times in the year where so many, when you pick the right event, so many relevant people are at one place and your major goal is to stand out, to have as many good conversations as possible. And that's what uh, should be the major goal um, of an event in that case. Yeah, absolutely. And you named it. Next topic. Um, relevant discuss discussions. Yeah. How do you then now, first step, we got in the conversation with somebody. How do you A, really identify who you want to talk to and mm -hmm. B, how do you, when you're in the conversation, how do you maybe cut somebody off when you see like, hmm, yeah, maybe this conversation leads me to nowhere and I should like yeah, go off the that's, conversation. That's a good one because basically that's, that's the goal to always, that's kind of harsh, but obviously when you want to um, have new leads, then some talks uh, with working students because most of the time they can't decide something uh, are leaving to nowhere. And what you don't want at the other side is be be rough and be like a, a, a bummer, let's call it like that. Yeah. That's why we had the first time this year in the Mexico and that was really working out. Uh, we had like really nice uh, marketing materials uh, where super valuable um, case studies and stuff like that. and personal branding linkedin that are there are topics which are super relevant and a lot of people are interesting in them we also had a lot of master students uh, where we're writing a thesis about it basically and of course you can chat with them half an hour an hour but uh, what we do instead was uh, handing them out our our best marketing material and they can just uh, read and learn so basically what we had in our minds was we have two um, opportunities and we do that every time with every conversation um, we decide do we go for a meeting or qualify or just 
give uh, do we just give more information and people can educate themselves and that's what we what we did with the with the trade fair have like some really good education materials and there were printed case studies high quality and i think that was a game changer a little flyer with all the webinars we did this year you can download them when they download it we see that they you know they engaged and the hubspot is like making a trigger and stuff like that so we have then uh, everybody who is not ready to buy we put them in the in the education phase that they educate themselves and you know the people who were ready to buy and to talk we put them uh, we push them to meetings because we say okay makes sense uh, you are like you have a pain we can solve with linkedin and personal branding and for them we were going into meetings and then we have like those two options for everybody we talk to yeah absolutely makes sense and i think that's a great pro process and i read through your linkedin bible i see the qr codes you can like do your self-discovery like scan all of them like look hey you know this is a case study this and i think that's cool um that's a very cool way um to approach it um now I also saw something where you had kind of a WhatsApp chat ah, yeah. um, <laughs> with all the people. So now that we um, we are in the talk with somebody relevant, we disqualified all the irrelevant people, um, to say it a bit rude. But we gave them the materials. Now we have those people who are ready to, to buy. Because, of course, it's a sales podcast. The marketing people, they still need a few educational steps before we approach them. But now we have those sales qualified lead. We had a great conversation. What are the next steps that you take? Mm -hmm. So basically what we try to do, because everybody who said, yeah, definitely we will do a meeting next week. Uh, I, will, I will write you an email. You never heard back from them. <laughs> so what, what you should do when there is somebody um, who is interesting, you had a good conversation always book the meeting when you can and it's it's easy to overcome this objection yeah i don't have my calendar then you just say okay when do you normally do those kind of meetings normally uh, when i talk to c levels uh, friday in the morning is like a, a, a free spot how about uh, 10 a.m and then you're like basically a step further even when the when the when the when the meeting is postponed you still have the meeting so first of all is get the meeting if possible and The second one is to save information from your talk because obviously you talk to a lot of people and um, yeah, you will forget names, you will forget relevant information when you don't collect them. And what I did, I got a lot of traffic on this post and also some, some good uh, process optimization, let's call it like that, because I always type the name and do a short memo where I said, okay, I talked to Alexander. He um, has a marketing team of two. They are struggling with content creation because they don't have any ideas and struggle with that point. They, they want more leads. Uh, currently, um, they have no leads uh, through LinkedIn, but they want to have like uh, 10 per month. Is this uh, possible or not? I basically line out a business case if I can. And uh, definitely when I get in the numbers, I would forget them when I don't save them immediately. So what I... I would suggest is um, really short uh, memo, voice memo, and uh, save the information because later 
in the first uh, event I had, I was saying, no, I, I have everything in my mind for sure. And then I realized that two days later, Dame, I have 10 different cards. I don't even remember the face and stuff like that. Um, for sure, I go for the LinkedIn connection. As always, that's our business. But um, to make really qualified follow-ups and um, directly start at the, at the point where the last conversation ended, that makes it a lot more um, yeah, successful for your follow-ups and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think two things I really loved and I want to outline. The first thing is normally if I talk to C-level, C-levels, they have time at XYZ. Great yeah. sentence. Um, also, like how you would approach um, making a price when you don't have discovery. Normally, when I talk to people like you, they pay between X and Y. Great yeah. sentence. I really want to outline this. And um, it's a must use for salespeople um, to really like get deals going, I think. And the other thing is um, that I really, I really like loved how you, um, yeah, basically have built a, build, build a fundament where you can follow up on, yeah? And not get into the phase of, hey, just following what? No, you say, hey, we talked yeah. about this. This was the problem. This is, um, this is what the cost of inaction is. This is our value prop CTA, bam. And you don't have like this, hey, just following up, we talked at the event. Oh yeah, I talked to 5,000 people at the event. So yeah, right. We talk about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, what I really liked. Um, so what would you say was your best conversation you ever had with a salesperson on an event? And did you ever buy something from an event as a, as a buyer? Hmm. Yeah, good question. I, I didn't uh, buy something, uh, but I had also some, some people who want to uh, sell me their solution. So I had uh, a solution. I would say the sales team is really proactive. They do a lot of follow-ups and stuff like that. And uh, he follow-ups or he did an outreach on LinkedIn and follow-up on-site, which was really, really good in my, in my opinion. Um, but then he couldn't overcome my objections in that case because I already uh, signed up for a competitor. And um, he still wanted to, to turn me, but uh, I was already um engaged and uh, happy with the solution i bought in that case um so i didn't buy but i i already had some good conversations but uh, the interesting thing is that it were most of the time multi-channel so it was not only at this event he followed or it started on linkedin and 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 phone and then uh, he did a follow-up at, at the trade fair and then he did a still a, fo a few follow-ups on linkedin um, but I, really I didn't cool. buy in that case. Yeah. But uh, contrary maybe to that, what would you say was the worst conversation you ever had maybe at an event where you felt like, fuck, what is this salesperson doing? Um, please get some training from me. Um, and what are absolute, because we talked about the do's now, what are absolute don'ts that you shouldn't do, how you shouldn't mm. approach an event and how you will definitely make zero money or even lose money um, if you invest in tickets and flight and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it was not the worst, but it was a bit funny because um, he approached me twice or three times <laughs> at this event <laughs> because I was always running by because the, our booth was <laughs> next to it. And uh, I explained him at first that it was not relevant to me. So that was, for me, it was more funny because... I appreciate the people who put in the effort, um, but that was 
uh, not leading to something and they're really important to uh, save some faces you talked or uh, you already talked to but some people can do this others less um so for me what would be a no-go or what we do uh, what we don't do is uh, ask uh, close questions for approaching people um that you always uh, got them talking instead of um do you have a linkedin profile no and then he walks by so you can't start the conversation so uh, st yeah start with an with an open question so how do you currently use linkedin and then people people start and say ah yeah i post regularly and then you can uh, basically start the conversation and lead it to the point uh, where you want it to go yeah that's i think that i love that because it's so contrary to what you would do in um in like an email where the cta should be like in my opinion always like easy not like an open question and in this case it should be an open question so people think and they really engage in the conversation because you have them literally in front of you and they basically don't want to get rid of you kind of as they would like to when when they're on a on a on a cold call um what i also saw Uh, so because I'm, I'm actually getting your LinkedIn post quite often in my feed, which is, I think, a great feedback for you, <laughs> is um, that you once after an event, um, you like put publicly um, how many leads you got, like in a HubSpot, like mm. how many leads, uh, I think like it's a crazy number, great amount of leads um, yeah. that you got in, in your HubSpot. So is there a way... Um, how you particularly track them. So after you record those voice messages, do you um, put all the infos then in your CRM? And then what is the process of really going after them? Um, mm. What do you like sales cycles then look like most of the time from your experience? Because, you know, some close after the first year, some need some time. So do you see any um, maybe yeah structures or... Um, mm -hmm specific um yeah specific behaviors after an event and maybe the these cycles are faster than usual yeah so um actually normally they they are they are faster uh, because the talk at our booth was basically the kind of the discovery call or you did at least uh, some parts of the discovery when you collect all the information so um What you saw, the spike uh, was actually all the people we already had a meeting because um, for us, it's only a deal when you have the meeting, uh, obviously, because when you don't have the meeting, then, uh, yeah, you don't have a deal in our opinions. That's how we do it. Um, so first of all, as before, I get the meeting and then we have the process, um, which is normally that's what we do, what we didn't do at OMR, but I think it would be a huge Game changer is like an inbound quiz um, where we where they ask a few questions about deal size and stuff like that. Some some questions which are good for understanding uh, the business of your of your prospect. And normally the prospects that's not the most um, interesting questions for them because when you have all this uh, information uh, in advance, then the meeting is a lot more um, yeah narrowed for the goal of the meeting. And you get there a lot faster. So our process is normally you book a meeting in a, at an event. Uh, we, in the best case scenario, we already have all the information for building a business case. And normally they fill out the quiz that we even know them more and can evaluate is the awareness stage uh, in the right in the right um, 
yeah, in the right, right direction or not. And then normally there's the meeting and our uh, classic sales uh, process starts. Um, when we don't have the meeting, um, every sales rep uh, is on its own uh, to do its uh, follow-up. But normally we are going full uh, multi-channel that we uh, collect the cards in the best case from the prospect. And then you can put all the information into the CRM with HubSpot. Yeah. You can even uh, do a picture through the HubSpot app and uh, they instantly see, okay, that has to be the number, that is the name, that is the position and stuff like that. So with HubSpot, uh, I would say that it is really easy to collect all the leads. And obviously uh, the voice messages, you need to uh, yeah, get all the relevant information into, into your CRM as well. And then, yeah how you like to do the follow-up on our team we have some guys who love to call i always prefer the call but when it doesn't work some do videos on linkedin others go for email um i'm a huge fan of uh, doing everything and uh, go for multi-channel uh, because um, people are different and when you go for multi-channel uh, normally you got a, a reaction to it yeah Definitely a uh, great approach and advice also. Also the Nova, the HubSpot feature, we'll definitely check it out at the next event I'm at. So um, how do you want to be approached at events? If people see mm -hmm. you. <laughs> um, how do I want to be approached? I would say being approached at all because major problem I see on a lot of uh, other other people who are at events and sellers they are just uh, talking to to each other and don't go proactively and collect leads and in my opinion yeah normally when you see us and at an event um everybody is uh yeah hunting is a, a hard word but everybody's looking at people okay who looks at our booth um who who looks like uh, he can decide something and that's that's what we do so every time you see us normally we are talking to people uh, or approaching proactively people and i would say even get get talked to at all because in my opinion not too many people do it and yeah being being at a trade fair is expensive uh, for your company and you have to do the best out of it as a seller in my opinion and that's that's our approach when we go to a trade fair yeah Definitely. It's very expensive. People are not working. They're like, you need to pay the travel, the tickets, the stand, the speed. Like it's a lot of, a lot of money. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's definitely important. Um, and that's why we're here. Now, last question. Um, and I think it's kind of the penalty I'm giving to you um, for a little pitch. What is the <laughs> correlation between personal branding and events? And how do you leverage both, like both components? in and of itself to be successful yeah um for for us without personal branding and linkedin our events wouldn't be as or our events at case at the one side or the events we are at because everything we do in marketing even if it's a webinar it's a physical event it's it's omr you see at least three to five posts from us um regarding this event and we always try to have different angles uh, for for pulling it and even before we are at an event normally the posts we we create have like 100 to 2000 uh, to 200000 views and people know Crazy. we are there and the people who want to talk to us they will come and they basically 
classic sentence for Moritz and Thomas, the two founders of Insight is, hey, I know you from LinkedIn. And yeah, sure, that's, that's what we do. And that's uh, what you want to achieve, that everything you do in marketing comes together. And we see LinkedIn and personal branding as the core. And everything you do in your marketing is uh, communicated over the profiles. When you look at Thomas and Moritz profile and, and even our profiles in business development, um, even today I promoted a webinar because for sure everybody who, who visits uh, this webinar and uh, listens to Thomas is a, is a qualified lead because he, he thinks about PR, about LinkedIn, about sales and same with events. Uh, the people who are visiting us are probably interested in what we are doing. And there could be nothing better than have people in front of you, which already knowing you and knowing your solution. And that's, that's like best case. And that's how we did sometimes even close a deal in seven days uh, because um, people knew, knew us from LinkedIn. Then we get into contact at the event, uh, booked a meeting. And one to two weeks later, uh, we did we did the deal, and that's that's how you want uh, it to be uh, when you are a sales leader. Yeah. But what we didn't achieve is close the deal at an event. That's what oh. we I couldn't achieve uh, in the past, but maybe maybe next year. Um, I'm I'm positive <laughs> about this one. Yeah. So even sign the contract at an event. So if any yeah. of the listeners ever. Um, achieve that just uh, hit hit us up uh, we're very yeah. curious and other than that yeah. thank you so much Corby 